Welcome to Tournament in a Tea Break, where we saw Simona Halep finally get over the line. My name is Roz Satar, and I'm from Britwatch Sports. My name is Rene Denfeld, and I'm writing for My Tennis. And it has been the perfect day if you're Romanian, if you're fans of a Romanian, or if you just generally have a beating heart. What say you, German Rene, of no heart? That's so rude, because I don't have a <laughs> perfect heart, and I think it was a good day. So that's funny. Um, yeah, no, I think the way everything panned out is obviously fantastic for Simona Hallett, but also in the grand scheme of things. I think it's good for the tour. It's good for um, for her to get over the line, of course. It, it, it feels like... If felt like the right time I think before that and it feels like that now um, it was also a day that highlighted how great a tournament Sloane Stevens had played mm -hmm. and how gracious she was afterwards how um, much she yeah just just embraced the moment once again but then got beaten by a better player yeah. at the end and that didn't happen in the previous rounds today it did but all things considered, Stone Stevens started extremely well for the first set and two games, and um, and then it all unraveled. And then it, it then 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 Halep started ste uh, stepping up, and something clicked. I felt it was a little bit like in the Kerber match where she started understanding throughout the, the the encounter, like what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And in the first set, she didn't play badly, but Stevens was just so solid that there was no getting past her. No, I mean, again, I, I definitely think that it was very reminiscent of the Kirby. She joked about it, actually, in her press, saying that somebody told her what you need to do to win is to run and not miss, which is what she always said for um, for, uh, for for the Kerber match. I mean, for the first set and a half, whatever, whatever Halep tried to throw at Sloane Stevens just came back with pace. Um, everything that she, she was having to work so hard just to win a point. Uh, and, you know, the frustration and the effort was evident. Uh, and then in the second set, I feel that Sloane did start to tire a little bit. Suddenly she wasn't coming on um, winning those long rallies. And, and Halep admitted to us that actually uh, a set and a breakdown, she felt it's gone. It's gone, so all I need to do now is, is play, almost make her earn it. Uh, and once Sloane started to tire and make errors... She then thought, well, hang on a minute. I was just setting a breakup, and I lost. Maybe there's a chance. And that little spark of belief took her to... And, I mean, she was just glorious in that final set. It was a, it was a weird... It, it's, a, it's an ironic twist of fate, almost. The fact that last year she was up a set and a break, had points to go up a double break, of course. And uh, then Yelena Sapenko started playing like she didn't have to lose anything anymore. And it's funny that like one year later the woman that she ended up beating was down a set and a break and told herself well I've got nothing left to lose anymore so I'm just gonna start playing so that I find that actually quite hilarious <laughs> you could there's almost a chance that Yelena Ostapenko is sitting somewhere in Latvia typing I made you at Simona Hallen so that's <laughs> so I not that she would not no. that that's gonna happen I'm joking here of course but in a way I found that quite quite interesting and quite funny what 
I the, the thing that I didn't feel I felt all the effort from Hallett, but I did not feel a lot of frustration because like it's it, because I felt that she also understood that she wasn't like missing too much or that she wasn't doing too much wrong, just that she was playing against someone who was the human the, wall. A, a wall, a wall, a wall with intent, and that is just very difficult to handle, and that's what Sloane Stevens has done time and time again in big moments, mm-hmm. and that's why I think we all knew that Sloane was going to be an incredibly dangerous opponent for Halep in that encounter, and she was moving tremendously well, mm-hmm. but as you said, I think there was a sense of, not sure how tired she got or how tired she didn't get, but there was a sense of her starting to miss a little bit more, and I, I'm not sure if that was nerves or if it was tiredness, but she was starting to miss shots that she didn't miss in the previous sets. And Halep adjusted her her game plan a little bit instead of just going for going with going at it with force. She started to go with a bit more variety, adding a bit more height to the ball, adding a bit more depth to the ball, and dragging Stevens out wide or further behind the baseline. And that ended up working really well for her. Yeah, I think um, I definitely think there was an element of um, the the prize was inside. That when when Sloane started to make her first errors, and then there were a number of like net cords that bounced up, and you know, and were were just a little unfair. Um, and then I think towards the end, she just I noticed that she started to slow down. Her her, her serves weren't quite as potent, uh, and as each sort of game progressed, you, you just thought this. You know, when 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 Halep got to five, love, and and Sloane got on the board to allow herself, as we're in France, a baguette as opposed to a breadstick. Uh, She was, again, she admitted, okay, well, she's got one, you know, she's got to get another four before we're we're in trouble. But I I, I think for once it was was never going to, it was never going to happen. Uh, I'm really glad it did happen for her. I know that we've been talking about it a lot uh, over, over the week, but it, it, it just feels right. And ironically now, our, our only one remaining slamless number one in the current active players, and we won't count Jankovic because, well, I don't think anybody that's at number whatever it is in the world can sort of still be active with all the injuries that she's had. But Clarolina Pliskova now is our slamless number one. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see if things pan out her way. I mean, they haven't been Wimbledon over the past couple of years. And you think but, that would be um, time, You think that would be a surface that suits her as well? Yeah, I know. She doesn't have time on grass, which is why I'm always thinking it's a double-edged sword for her. It can go really well when she's timing the ball well, but it can also go haywire really quickly <laughs> for her. Um, but as for as for Halep, I had I had very good like. I personally, I had a very good feeling for her in the sense of that I had once once she managed to wrap up the second set, I felt throughout the second half of the second set, you got the feeling that she understood what she had to do and how how she was going to win points. I felt like something had clicked within mm-hmm. within her, and as soon as she got the first break in the second in the third set, to me it was game over, and I was admiring how well she was playing especially after being down a set and a break and how well she had managed to fight past that and um in my opinion it's it's yeah it's the it's it's a great winner for the tour it's a great winner in in terms of the arc that she's had over the past 12 months and i think it's also a bit of an inspiration to in in terms of a never give up never give in attitude and that's that's a really cool thing 
Yeah, I mean, she's slated for um, Eastbourne and obviously Wimbledon, so it'll be interesting to see, A, what she does when she finally gets, like, has a break and comes back on the grass, B, just how much interest there'll be in her. Um, you know, up until now, when whenever she's been on the grass, people haven't really shown much attention, but we shall see. Uh, and now we're at the, um, well, we're, we're on the eve of uh, King of Clay versus... Crown Prince of Clay, so, um, so yeah. What do we actually really think? I know there are people who are like worried with regards to tomorrow. I think that's mainly Rafael Nadal fans, and <laughs> I find that quite bizarre. Almost like, why would she be worried when he has been playing start when he has started to play really, really well? Um, even though he's had some iffy patches at the beginning of a couple of. Um, at the beginning of a couple of rounds, especially the last two matches, he didn't start too well, but once he found his rhythm, it was all smooth sailing. Um, my thing with this with this matchup, especially on this court over best of five, is the space between the baseline and the back of the court is huge, uh, which I think will always tempt Dominic Team to let himself fall one or two meters too far behind the baseline. And for that reason alone, I think that Nadal is, of course, the overwhelming favorite. I hope it's not going to be a three-setter. I yeah. hope at least it'll be like four sets. Well, if people are really hungry for four hours of tennis, sure, five sets. If you have, if, if that's your thing, um, then would be good. It would be great if it's five competitive sets. I would not mind that at all. Um, my only worry also is concerning weather forecast for tomorrow. Today it was. There was a chance of showers, but they stayed south of Paris. Tomorrow, it's looking overwhelmingly a lot like we're going to have oh, a God. tough day, a tough day, and a day that's going to require a certain amount of patience. So if they end up going four or five sets, then I have the worry that one of these sets will end up being played on a Monday, and yeah. ain't nobody got time for that. So... <laughs> um, I'm going with Rafael Nadal in three or four sets, but look, Dominic Thiem is the only man to have beaten him on clay in the past two years, and he's shown that he can take two consecutive sets off of Nadal. Can he take two consecutive sets or two sets of two consecutive sets off of Nadal and add a third yeah. in a, another best of three coming right behind that? I don't know, and I don't think so at the moment. But I hope team gives a good account of himself tomorrow unlike last year in the semi-finals yeah i mean the same I, you know we've had such a good final um rafa hasn't exactly covered himself in glory by being quoted as um saying that you know people you know the, the reason that women don't really let's not deserve. let's not let's no, not no, no, no one deserves you know uh, this whole prize money thing comes up again you know people have more demand for the atp i mean the the the, the stage was was packed today admittedly with half of romania but you know it was it was a great atmosphere the a, a slam final deserves a great atmosphere and if it's a if it's a three set watch out it will just make a mockery of his comments uh and if it's i, I think team ought to get at least <coughs> one set off him i'd be very disappointed if he didn't uh and i definitely think he could manage two but i agree with you can he make it three yeah, I will. I will refrain from commenting commenting on what um, 
well, on, on those quotes by Nadal from an Italian magazine because that it's completely beneath everyone and beneath all female players and it's just completely and utterly ridiculous. Uh, it's June 2018, it's not May 1934. So I would appreciate it if we stuck to the current time and place and people would stop using words like economy and equal work and all of these things when they do not have an idea or a, or even remotely a clue um, what they're saying or what they're putting into their mouth. So that's my two cents on that. Um, but yeah. he, when, when he talks, people do listen. There are going to be people that do think he's right. And I'm glad that there are people who really stomp on it. I've been very happy to see that a lot of people have been stomping on what he's been saying or what he apparently mm. has been saying. I'm always a bit worried that things might get lost, lost a little in, in yeah. translation. So that's why I'm saying allegedly, always put an allegedly in front of things that you're unsure of because that means that you're not going to get sued. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, as I said, not very happy about that. Not been enjoying to read all of that if he thinks that's a real thing. Good for him. Um, I don't know. Curious to see if someone's going to bother to bring that up tomorrow in press after he potentially wins his 11th Grand Slam will be here in Paris. Oh, or his, his, his 11th French Open, pardon me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to have to change that lovely great big picture on the steps, aren't they? Well, they're going to tear the whole thing down anyways. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> so we have to worry about that. Uh, but yes, we will be back for one last tournament in the tea break one last hurrah <laughs> and then and then you won't have to hear from any of us until at least Wimbledon aren't you lucky oh well I lie actually you'll be hearing from me and Jake in Eastbourne and Birmingham but we thought we'd just give you a glimmer of hope <laughs> you have been listening to Roz Satar and R- Renee drinking his beer Denfeld <laughs> thank you for listening au revoir